Thank you. So most of you all know um, Tom Yershiro. Um He's been doing a lot of stuff over in Ukraine and Poland. There's a, a camp that he's been uh, associated with, and it's in you know, I, it's not too far from the Ukraine border in Poland. They've kind of converted it from just a, a camp to a place for refugees and stuff to come in. Um, so I don't know too much about this, but uh, I actually had a friend who's um, pretty, uh, they, they, they've been doing a lot of work with Tom and his group, um, and he said, hey, this is what's going on. Did you show it to your church? I said, absolutely. So um, it is like next Saturday, um, and uh, I, yeah. I, if anyone needs any information, I have the information for um, the online information and if you want to send a check or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so just let me know. Thank they you. have a list of things on mm -hmm. Amazon that yes. you can donate to the camp too. If you can't make it to the dinner, you can um, make donations that way. Thank you. I was, I, I've, I've seen that. Thank you. Um, if you didn't hear what um, uh, Penny's got all the information, uh, but there's also he's made a list of stuff on Amazon that they're trying to to purchase to take over there. I um, mean, it's it's everything from like uh, foot warmer type things you can to um, some first aid stuff. Uh, if you want, if you can't make it to the dinner, you say, you know what, I can't do a hundred dollars even if it's a night for a great cause. Um, there's some things online that is that are um, inexpensive. Um, some stuff, like I said, some of it's first aid that is very, very helpful. Um, so uh, if you want to just get that Amazon list, we can get that out uh, and you can just um, donate that and it, it's all going over to Ukraine and to kids and um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, if, like I said, most of you all know Tom. Uh, this is not a um, let's raise money for Tom. Yeah. Okay. Um, he is, uh, it, this is frontline stuff. Yeah. So, um, cool. So if you need more information, I know Penny said she's got it. Um, I think I have it somewhere, but I got the video actually yesterday. So, um, guys, if you could come one more time, we'll continue to celebrate the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. Amen. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give back. Lord, you give so much to us, and um, we give freely with rejoicing. And Lord, as we open your word together also, Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, you've put so much, so much in my We are going to be a little bit of all over the place this morning. Surprise, surprise. Um, uh, flip over to Ephesians 5, we're going to start there, and then we'll work our way from uh, Genesis through. And um, I, I have to tell you, I've, I've got two, mess, two sections, I told you last week. Um, I've got a, a more of a theological, if you will, treatise on marriage, you know, look, really look through theologically, what does this look like? Um, and then I've got more of kind of a more practical what do you do with Ephesians 5 message and I, I wrestled all through the beginning of the week which one do I do because last week I was going to do the more practical just what does this look like but I really felt like I'm going to do the theological first that way hopefully the practical will be um, a little bit more practical 
um, it'll, it, you'll have a basis to stand on. So um, this morning, I'm, I'm going to cover a lot of material. Um, as I've done before, you know, something that may be clear in my mind um, may not be clear in your mind. And a lot of that's probably because I haven't made it clear because it's just, oh, this is what I'm thinking. This is where I'm tracking. And if, I, if it's something happens like that where you go, you know what, could you rewind? Um, would you just let me know? All right. Ask, feel free to ask any questions because um, I really want this to be clear and helpful. Um, it's not just going to, I'm going to have a big chunk of teaching, but I'm hoping to really draw it to a really good application for everybody at the end. All right, so hold on. But again, um, as we go through, um, uh, if, I, if I skip over something or you, this, it's not clear for some reason, please ask, because I, I really, really believe that uh, this is, Something that, if the Lord has put it in this many places in Scripture, because it's all over the place, then it's something that's important. And it's something that, I tell you, I haven't seen any of this or haven't gotten any of this in my seminary studies or anything, all right? It, but I believe it's really, really important for us. So I, I want us to get it. I want us to um, try to apply it, not just have knowledge. Okay, but this is something for us to apply um, to our hearts and to our lives, and I think it's really appropriate for right now. All right, fair enough. So don't worry about interrupting me. If you have a question, just shoot, okay? I, I might have to say, give me half a second to finish my thought, but we'll get it. All right? All right, Ephesians 5. Um, we'll, we're going to start here, and then we'll, um, we'll kick off. Um, Look at, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Do you see that? Now, where, do you, I mentioned this last week. Where is that quote from? For this reason, a man shall leave uh, his father and mother and cling to his wife. Genesis. Right, so let's flip back to let's flip back to Genesis. All right, we're going to be in Genesis um, two and three for just a little bit. All right, help help me out here. You got um, uh, God created man, right? Um, by the way, He created man uh, in in the uh, in the Hebrew. It's it's like mankind or. In, um, in the Greek, it's mankind, anthropos, right? Um, and that's, sig that's significant later. Um, so God created man. Then he created them male and female, right? So what happens with so God puts them in the garden. He gives them really one command. You'd think one command would be easy, right? Don't do this one thing. He, he elaborates on that after the <laughs> further down the line. But one command, which was what? Don't eat the tree of the tree. Anything else. You can eat of any, all these other things. Go for it. But this one tree, don't do it. Right? So then, then what's the story next? So you've got, um, you've got the snake. You've got the serpent, the devil, who comes and he, he tells Eve what? Can you really say that? Yep, exactly. By the way, it's, it's, 
most everything, it always starts out with, with uh, over the word. Is God's word really true? Whether that's something that he's spoken to you or the, the word that we have you know, in scripture. Is it really true? That's where it all really begins. Is it really good for you to not do this or to do this? Did God really say, oh yeah, and we're not to eat of it or to touch it. On the day we do, we'll surely die. You surely won't die. Right? What happens? Look here. Um, this is uh, chapter 3, Genesis 3, uh, verse uh, 5. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the, the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its, from its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. All right. Hang on just a second there. Um, so they, they ate of the fruit. Now there, there's two uh, things I think we really need to realize. Eve ate first. Eve was deceived. Okay, she's the one, well we can tell, Adam may have been standing right there with her. It's hard to exactly know, but he wasn't too far away. Um, Eve was deceived. The serpent lied to her. Now she should have known better, and Adam should have done something about it, but Eve was deceived. Adam flat rebelled. He's like, oh, okay, I'm sure. Let's, let's go for it. And I really believe there's two, there's, there's two if you will, types of, of sin, because when Eve took the fruit, their eyes weren't open. When Adam did, that's when it all happened. Okay, now the the man there, right? Because man is the one who rebelled. The man, Adam, is the one who rebelled. There needed to be a man that changed everything. All right. Now, have you ever thought of this? All of a sudden, their eyes are opened. They experience shame, right? They make loin coverings. Now, hold on. I, I tried to read this with emphasis. When Eve saw the fruit, right? She knew it was, it was good to, to, to give him knowledge. She heard, you know, from the, the devil of this, you know, the lies from the devil. They took it with their hands and they ate it. Why not make like an eye mask? Because they saw it, right? Why not make earmuffs? Because they heard the lies. Or a hat, because they believed it made them knowledgeable. Or, you know, a mask, because they ate. They, but they make loin coverings. Right? Anybody ever wondered why loin coverings? You're like, that's one part of the curse of sin that I'm glad they, that happened. Everybody has to cover up, right? But but why 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 loin coverings? Because what happens when Adam and Eve, um, when they take the fruit, intimacy is what is affected. Sin makes a break with intimacy. 
All right? Sin makes a break with intimacy. And it, it's, it shows in that, in that relationship. Remember, Paul says, I'm not speaking of just man and woman. I'm speaking of mystery, talking about Christ and the church. Sin makes a break with intimacy. What, what does God immediately do? Um, he says, hey, where are you guys? Well, and Adam and Eve are like, well, we were afraid because we were naked. Did you eat the fruit? Uh-huh. What, is, what does God do? Um, he, he pronounces judgment. Let me just flip over there real quickly. Um, he curses the, the serpent, right? Uh, you're going to be on your belly. You're going to eat dust. <clears throat> I'll put enmity between you and the woman, your seed and her seed. Um, look at verse 16. I will, this is to the woman. I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. All right? You catch that? So the woman is the serpent, then the woman, and then, um, then man. To Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree um, I've commanded, excuse, uh, about which I commanded you not to, uh, curses the ground because of you and toil you'll eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles shall grow. You'll eat of the plants of the field by the sweat of your, your face. You'll eat bread till you, till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, who, who's, who's eating the dust? Do you see that? So not only are they going to be kicked out of the garden, but they will eventually die death. Okay? The seed of the woman will eventually face the death that Satan himself is there because of sin, right? You got that? All right, Lord, help me. All right, so you've got Adam, you've got Adam and Eve, right? They, they sin. They're the first man and wife, right? By the, by the way, um, uh, this is a, a really cool thought too. How was, you know, remember Adam was created first. God, God says, um, it's not good for man to be alone. So uh, he brings all the animals in. No, no suitable mate could be found for Adam. He says, I'm going to make you one. So what does he do? He puts, he puts Adam into a deep sleep. Right? Anybody ever wonder why? Why not just say, "Here, can God just not anesthetize? You know, have a, you know, people go in for um, you know orthoscopic surgery and they don't put him under anymore. Couldn't God have done that? Why put him in a deep sleep? And where does he take? Where did, what does he take from Eve? A rib, or from Adam? Thank you to make Eve a rib, right? I believe this is, is totally to, to foreshadow Jesus. Jesus in his death, right, the church was born. And he, Jesus was pierced in his side. And out of his side, the blood and the water flowed, which created the church. So this is all about, um, this is all prophetic 
of Jesus. Now, what, let's, let's kind of go a little bit further. Uh, remember, so um, God eventually calls a people group to himself. And who is, who is the father of faith? Abraham, right? Um, you, have, you, have a, you have Abraham and Sarah. They have a promised child, right? Um, Sarah is way past childbearing. She laughs when God says, you're going to have a kid. She's like, yeah, right. But all of a, but all of a sudden, kaboom, the promised child. Uh, and they have Isaac. And so this is all a picture, again, of, of Jesus. Why am I I'm bringing up Abraham? Because there's a promise to Abraham that God tells Abraham about his kids. That they are going to go into Egypt for a certain number of years. Anybody remember how many? I had to check it myself, so, but you might remember. Uh, no? Add an extra zero. 400 years. Okay. You're going to be in Egypt for 400 years. <laughs> I mean, think, think about you know, where we are as a country and how, how long 400 years ago would have been. You know, 400 years, you're going, to be, you're going to be slaves in Egypt, then I'm going to bring you out. Okay, so just hold that for a second. Um, you know, you've got Abraham, Isaac. Isaac has who? Jacob. Now remember with Jacob, um, who is Jacob's? Who, who does Jacob marry? Rachel and Leah. Okay. Do this. Okay, you have Jacob, right? I really should have moved it over a little bit. You have, um, who does he marry first? Leah, does that have an H? And Rachel, all right. Now then, he also has, he also has um, how many others? Two others, right? I'm gonna put them out just kind of over here. All right, and then he's got how how many kids? Yeah, how many sons? Twelve sons, right? How many how many from Rachel? Two, right? Which is who? Joe and Ben. Okay, right? Now, so you've got a patriarch. You've got, and what, what is Jacob's other name that God gave to him? Israel. Israel. You've got a patriarch who has two wives and some other concubines, right? Now then, um, when Israel, um, as, after Israel goes into Egypt, they're there for 430 years, and they come out, they wander in the promised land, or the wilderness for 40 years, they go in the promised land, and eventually, you've got after David, um, it breaks. It breaks up, right? The kingdom gets broken up, right? How many tribes? How many tribes stay in Israel, in in, in Jerusalem? Two. Right now, actually, Joseph, who is broken into Ephraim and Manasseh, kind of gets switched out with Judah. Okay, so you, but you've got 
Judah and Benjamin, and, the, and a lot of the Levites, and then the other ten tribes go with Israel. So you've got... You have Judah and Israel. Judah's in the south, right? And Israel is in the north. Right? Now, um, one other thing that you should know is, in the, especially in the Old Testament in those days, a lot of times it talks about the, the, the capital city being the, the mother. Okay? You'll see this. I'm going to try to pull this together in just a minute. All right. I think I'm on track. Look at, um, look at Jeremiah with me. All right. Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah 3. Let me know when you get there. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Son of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 3. God says, If a husband divorces his wife and she goes from him and belongs to another man, will he, will he still return to her? Will not that land be completely polluted? But you are a harlot with many lovers, yet you turn to me, declares the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the bare heights and see. Where have you not been violated? By the roads you have set for them like an Arab in the desert. You have polluted a land with the, your harlotry and with your wickedness. Therefore... And the showers have been withheld, and there's been no spring rain. You had a harlot's forehead. You refused to be ashamed. Have you not now just called to me, my father? You are the friend of my youth. Will he be angry forever? Will he be indignant to the end? Behold, you have spoken and, and have done evil ways. Um, you have had your um, and have had your own way. The Lord said to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what faithless Israel did? She went up on every high hill and under every green tree, and she was a harlot there. Um, uh, I, I thought after she has done all these things, she will return to me, but she did not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. As I saw that, as I saw that for all the adulteries of faithless Israel, I had sent her away and given her a writ of divorce, and yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she uh, went and was a harlot also. You see that? So Israel, um, God. Israel had wandered away from God. So Israel being the northern kingdom, right? They had wandered away. Of course, um, it's Samaria in the north. That's the capital city. Uh, Samaria, they really had never followed after God that much. Uh, although God sent them prophets. 
You know, um, Elijah was sent to Israel. Elisha was sent to the northern tribes of Israel. So God had sent them, tried to draw them back, tried to draw them back, but they kept on following after other gods. So what does God say? I'm going to divorce you. Right? Oh, I missed, oh, I missed some stuff. That's okay. Maybe we'll come back to it in a minute. Now look at, flip over to Isaiah chapter 50. There is a whole bunch of other stuff I can... Yeah, I might have to go back. Isaiah 50. Isaiah is to the... Um, is to the southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah 50. Thus says the Lord, Where is the certificate of divorce by which I have sent your mother away? Or to whom of my creditors did I sell you? Behold, you were sold for your iniquities and for your transgressions, and your mother was sent away. All right? Um, I, I, need to, I need to rewind just a little bit. When you go to Exodus, right, God... God calls his people out of Egypt, right? And they get to Mount Sinai. When they get to Mount Sinai, um, it's, it's really almost a, a marriage ceremony, okay? They, God um, uh, makes a covenant with the people. And uh, in, in uh, Exodus, um, let me get over there. It's Exodus 33. I know it's not 33, it's 24. Sorry, I skipped a spot, got, got ahead of myself. In Exodus 24, God makes this covenant with the people. Um, Moses had given them the Ten Commandments, and, and some of the commandments, not all of them. Um, verse 8 of Exodus 24, so Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu and 70, of the 70 elders of, of Israel. They saw the God of Israel and under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not uh, stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel. They saw God, and they ate and drank. Okay, so this is a feast in God's presence. This is one reason you know, that, that we, we have the table of the Lord. You eat and you drink in God's presence. right? So they, they have this covenant. Moses sprinkles. This is the blood of the, of, if you will, of the old covenant, right? And then they were able to go right in. They were able to see God, eat and drink in his presence, and God didn't stretch out his hand against them. Now, when they, when they initially came out of Egypt, um, this is like, uh, what did I say, 30, 33? I'll just tell it to you. Um, when they came out of Egypt, before they had the tabernacle, there was a tent of meeting where God would come down into the tent of meeting with the the problem was the tent of meeting was outside the camp. So God's presence came down into the tent of meeting outside the camp. And Moses would go into the tent of meeting. Joshua would, would, Joshua would stay there in the presence of God. Moses would come out. Now, after the tabernacle was built, right? They may remember where the tabernacle was, was centered in the camp. I just said it, but 
It was in the center of the camp, right? When the tabernacle was built, God's presence moved from outside the camp to the center of the camp. Okay? So the, the whole point, God wants to be intimate with his people. How does he, how does he intimate with his people? His presence. Adam and Eve were in God's presence in the garden. God kicked them out from his presence, right? Because of sin. The, you know, in, with, with Israel, they come out of Egypt. Initially, God's presence is outside, but God says, no, I want you to build a tabernacle, and here's all the regulations. This is how you be my people. This is, we're going to strike a covenant. Really, it's, it's like a, very much like a marriage covenant. Okay, here's the stipulations. This is how you be my people and I be your God, all right? This is how I can move my presence from outside to inside the camp because he wants to be intimate with his people, okay? And that's what you see with when they, after, after they have the, the covenant with the, with the blood sprinkled on the people and they were able to get into God's presence and he, they, he, God didn't kill them, Right? amazing god wants to be intimate with his people all right that's the that's the whole point is god wants to be close but what happens is when you when you have israel and judah they start following after these other gods and god keeps trying to woo them back we you have a whole um you have a whole prophetic book about that with with hosea right where they they, they go away and, and said nope come on well, go away. No, nope, come on, right? If you look at Ezekiel 16, there's a whole um, thing about how they, they, God brought them up and married them, and yet they went after other gods, and they, they said they played a harlot with other gods. And why, it's, it's harlotry because they are being intimate with another god, whereas God wants to be intimate with us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Let, let's, so after so many years, you've, you've got um, Israel that God cuts off, right? He cuts off Israel first. Assyria comes in and uh, takes care of Israel. All right. Basically, those ten tribes, for the most part, disappear. Now, um, they, you have a few remnants. Uh, the Samaritans, this is how the Samaritans come about. Um, because they are a mixed race that Assyria put together with another group. Um, so combined Jews and another group and made the Samaritans. There are a few, um, if you think that Anna uh, in, in the Gospels, you know, in, who's in the temple, she was from one of these ten tribes. People kind of wonder and scratch and say, scratch your head and go, okay, how did that happen? Because these ten tribes basically disappear. Now, Judah... Um, in 586 BC, uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and wipes out Judah, carries um, them off to um, carries them off to um, Babylon, and then Jeremiah chapter three again is really interesting. So talks about faithless Israel. God had had. Uh, cut off Israel, had, had given them a, a writ of divorce. Um, 
And then it says this. Um, So verse 15 says, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. It shall be in those days when you are multiplied and increased in the land, declares the Lord. They will no longer say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And it will not come to mind. Listen to, listen to this. What, what was the, the, the place, the, the article that God's presence, where his presence dwelt? The ark. Right? It, it said that the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies, right? You had the cherub above it, and that's where he, he would talk to, to, um, the, to Moses or to the priest. He would appear, and his presence would be above the cherubim, in, in, uh, above the Ark, right? That's where his presence would be. It says it's a footstool of his feet. And he would appear above the Ark, right? Now, this is saying, in those days when they're... Um, said, um, they will no longer say the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It will not come to mind, nor will they remember it, nor will they miss it, nor will it be made again. So, by, by the way, there are, there are groups of people that think that um, they're going to remake the Ark and remake the Temple and remake it. Don't listen to that stuff. Okay, that would be such an affront to the sacrifice of Jesus. All right? This is, and this is Scripture saying it's not going to be made again. Why? God, God cut off um, Israel first, then he cut off Judah. Judah went into um, Babylon, was there for 70 years until Cyrus gave a decree to rebuild Jerusalem. But what happens? They, if you remember, they, they go to Jerusalem, they start on the temple, it takes quite a while for the temple to get rebuilt, Right? Now, when you, when you had the tabernacle under Moses, right, and they, they, admit, they celebrated the tabernacle, they opened its doors, they made all the sacrifices, what happens? With, remember what happens? The presence of God, boom! And all of a sudden, the priest can't even go in, right? The presence comes so powerfully. Remember? God wants his presence with us. He wants to be intimate with his people. He wants to pour his presence out to his people. When Solomon um, makes the, the, the um, temple, right, and they celebrate, they open its doors, they make all the sacrifices, what happens? The presence of God comes. So much that the people can't even go in. You know, it appears as a fire, and it's the presence of God. Remember, next temple, they go to, they go to Jerusalem, they get out of Babylon, it takes them a long time because they've got all kinds of... What happens? No presence. No ark. No presence of God. Here's why I believe that is. In the law, God says after, after his certificate of divorce, you can't marry him again. So God is gracious. He brings them out of Babylon, lets them go back to Jerusalem, lets them rebuild the, the temple, but he doesn't go back into their presence. He doesn't let his presence go back to them. It's a better way to say that. He doesn't become intimate with them again. Now, I, I mentioned this before. I was trying to kind of set this up. How many years um, were the people 
uh, Israel and Egypt? 400. There is a certain time of silence mm -hmm. in between when the um, people come out of, of Babylon until the time of John the Baptist, which is 400 years. See how this is? You know, man can't put this together. This is an we we serve an amazing God. All right, an amazing, amazing God that He is orchestrating all of history for His own His own desire. Then you've got John the Baptist, and you have a young girl. Right who an angel comes to, right? Who is Mary? And she said, the angel tells her, you're going to have a baby. And she says, what? Who, me? How's that possible? I've never been with anybody. What does the angel say? Do you remember? You, you read it every Christmas. What's that? There you go. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, says uh, Luke 1, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Right. By the way, Protestants don't give Mary enough credit. You know, the, the, the Catholics... I think they may sometimes get on the other side and they get into kind of worshiping Mary. Us Protestants react, we don't give her enough credit. Mary is not only just a symbol of the new Eve, but she is a symbol of the church. Right? How, does, how, is, the, how is the purpose of God born into the world? The Holy Spirit comes. He's intimate, Right? He comes. He wants to be intimate with his, his people. How, how is Christ born on the earth? The Holy Spirit is intimate with somebody. Of course, you have Jesus who is born, lives a sinless, perfect life, and you have the second Adam, the second man. Now we started with the first man, right? Started with the first man who messed up. He rebelled. It took a second man who came to not rebel and obey. And he flipped everything. Whereas the, the curse came In my track. The curse came. I've got so much running through my head. <laughs> the, the, the curse came with Adam, right? It was given to the serpent, right? I showed. Then to Eve. I'm going to greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. Your, your desire is going to be for your husband, and he's going to lord over you. 
Then you've got Adam, who you're going to by the sweat of your brow, and you're going to die. It's going to be a you're, you're, it's going to be you're going to the serpent's going to eat your dust. Here you've got Jesus who obeys, fully obeys the Father in everything, and, and instead of dying by the tree, you know, instead of, or may I should say. He didn't die by the tree because he rebelled, but he died by the tree because of his obedience. And he conquers death and hell. Whereas the first Adam was conquered by death and hell, right? The second Adam conquers death and hell. But the second Adam needs a wife. As I mentioned earlier, God created Eve out of the side of Adam. And Jesus, but through his death and through the opening in his side, he creates a wife for, for, um, for Jesus. Look at um, 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians eleven two. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. So who who is the who is the bride of Christ? The church. The church is the bride of Christ. And how is it that the church has spiritual kids? Same way Mary did. Well, the Holy Spirit comes. God wants to be intimate with the church. How is that? It's by His Spirit. He wants to be, he wants to send his spirit. He wants to he wants to be in us. He wants to be intimate in us and with us. He he doesn't want to be out. He doesn't want to be shoved out, right? He wants to be in us and with us. Okay? Right? It's it's a whole restoration. Um Let me just say this because I don't want to get into my sermon for next week. In you know the the curse for for um, Eve, the husband will rule over you. It gets reversed. It's no longer the husband will rule over you. The husband's going to love you, right? Now, the the wife is going to submit to her husband, but you're going to be to a, a husband that is going to love and not rule over. And I need to stop right there because otherwise I'm going to preach my next sermon. But, all right? But again, getting back to God wants to be in our midst. How do we have spiritual kids? We get overshadowed by the Spirit, just like Mary did. Now then, I'm going to come back to where I started. How can you prevent that? 
there's a couple of different ways to prevent if you will, it's spiritual birth control. All right? Number one, how did Adam and Eve get the, uh, get separated from the presence of God? Remember what I said? They, they, um, the intimacy was cut off. Without the intimacy, you don't have kids. Right? Yes. How was it? They sinned. How can we cut off intimacy with the Holy Spirit? Sin. Now, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna say this, try try to say this carefully. There is a ton of grace in our loving Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus. Okay? He 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 cares about whether we are being deceived or whether we're actually just out and out rebelling, all right? But he loves us so much that he is willing to, if you turn to him, he's willing to take all that sin and say, what sin, all right? Does that mean that we should um, sin all the more that we can have more grace? No, absolutely not. But we need to realize what we've done and offer it up to the Lord and say, Lord, I blew it. I so blew it. And then God's going to forget about it and he wants, you to, he wants you to release that also because if you dwell on that, that can inhibit the intimacy. Because his goal, he wants to be intimate with you. Right? So sin separates from the intimacy. So get it right before God and get through it. And if it happens, do it again. And ask the Lord to to get rid of whatever that is that you are messing up with. And you know what? He's a loving God who wants to help you with whatever those things are. All right? There's so much grace and so much love. You know, we we you think think of the most gracious person that you can ever uh, imagine, or the most loving person that you can ever imagine. And God is so much more. So much more. There's another thing, though. Sin separates you, but you can also separate yourself. You can basically tell the Holy Spirit, I don't want you here. And he is a gentleman. If you say no, he's not going to. If you say, I don't want the Holy Spirit here, he won't come. If you say, nah, not right now, he'll wait till later. If you say, I don't actually believe this stuff is real anyway, he'll say, okay, I'll just wait on you. That's why I believe blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, is such a, a harmful sin. It's because that is how God is wanting to be intimate with his people. And if you are saying, I don't want your intimacy, Okay, that is, that is breaking of the marriage covenant to a huge extent, right? That's why in, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says of husbands and wives that, um, that you should not withhold from each other, right? I believe it goes back to this issue of 
what what we need to be with with our our bridegroom right is to be able to say look whatever you want with me whenever you want with me however you want with me i'm yours however whenever just come just be with me i want to be intimate with you and let, i want you to be intimate with me I'm not going to withhold from you. Please don't withhold from me. Okay? So, how do we, how do we, number one, God wants to be intimate with us, but how do we, how can we separate ourselves from that? Number one is sin. If, if, if there's sin in your life, get, get right with God and help, ask Him to help you get rid of that, whatever it is. He is so loving. He's so gracious. He's not going to beat you over the head. He's going to draw you and woo you. He's going to to um, gently draw you, and then he'll he can break every bond and break every hold if you just submit to him. And it might not be overnight, and that's okay. Just take steps. Maybe baby steps, but just take steps and let him do the work. And then number number two. You got to submit. In other words, you've got to be open to him. You can't shun him. You can't reject him. You can't. Um, you can't say no. I really don't. I, I don't want. I don't want. Any, I don't want any Holy Spirit. I don't want any. You know. I don't want the mess. I don't want the. You know. I don't have time for this right now. Think of all the excuses that you can think of, right? All those excuses that have been used in the book, you can use that of the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Consider it. I don't have time. I'm too busy. No, I'm thinking about something else. I just don't feel like it. No, I don't like that. I don't like that sort of thing. I just don't want you to be a part of me anymore. You can use all those excuses with the Holy Spirit. Don't. Get rid of sin. Get your sin, get whatever it is, get it right with the Lord, and then submit to Him. Yes, Lord, whatever you want, whenever you want. Come and work however you want in me. It doesn't matter. I'm yours. I'm yours. And you've got a loving, gracious, wonderful God who's going to treat you right. He's going to treat you right. He's not like a, a, a brute that was that will do whatever he wants to. He's going to treat you right if you will open yourself up to him. So what I'd like to do today, um, really like to say that the, the, the two parts I want us to get right today. Number one, you know, and this is something I can't do for you, but you know, if there's some sort of sin that you need to get right with the Lord, get it right today. All that takes is just bringing it to Him, saying, "Look, Lord, I've I've messed up in these ways. I've got angry at my spouse. I decided I didn't like my kids anymore. I, um, you know, I yelled at somebody. I, 
got upset at the guy who passed me on 32 in the no passing zone on the way to church. I, um, it, whatever it might be, get it right with the Lord. Just go, come to him and say, Lord, I did this. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And he is faithful and just that he will take all those sins. They are forgiven and they are cast away. And then let's offer ourselves to him again. Let's say, Lord, have your way. Whatever you want. However it looks, I don't care. It may be messy. It may be lengthy. It, it may be, you know, it, it may be that it's just, I, I have to spend more time or whatever. Whatever it looks like to you, Lord, I don't care. I want it. I want to be yours. I want to be yours wholeheartedly. All right? Let's get those two things done today. Let me, let me pray for you. And as I am praying for you, if you will do those couple of things um, in business with the Lord today. Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus. the Son of Man, the second Adam, who is the perfect man, one not to rule over us, but to love us. Although he is King of kings and Lord of lords and, and rules over the world, he wants us to be with him and wants to love us. Lord Jesus, we submit to you today. Our heart, soul, mind, spirit, our bodies, we submit. We give ourselves to you wholeheartedly and say, come and be with us. Let your presence, your spirit come. Be in our midst, be in our in our very lives, our hearts, be in this, in this church, be in the, the midst of our congregation, be with us however you want to, whenever you want to, however much time it takes, whatever it looks like, it doesn't matter to us. We just want you to be with us. And Lord, for whatever sin that we may have today, whether it's something outward, whether it's something inward, something in our hearts and our minds, something that we've done to someone else, something that we haven't done that we should have. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we have We've blown it. I know I've blown it. Lord, forgive us, please. We repent. I ask that you would help us to quit every sin that is habitual or something that we just can't break, a bad habit, or Lord, put it into it. 
and forgive us. Cleanse us. Even as Moses sprinkled the people with the blood, Lord, let it be that the blood of the Lamb covers us and that we can eat and drink in your presence. We can be intimate with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.